Hi, I'm Ken. And I'm Dee. And this is Antiques Freaks. Spectacular podcast. What antiques are we talking about this week? This is a topic that I've actually been interested in getting into in a while. In a while? For a while. And um, I was having a problem with it because it's a really, really huge and shall we say, <laughs> pendulous topic. Is it, dare I guess, grandfather clocks? Actually, I wanted to go broader than that. You know, this has to be broken into lots and lots and lots of different parts because it's a huge subject matter, right? Right. So because it was already too huge, you wanted to broaden your scope? Yeah. So, okay. Bear with me. (laughs) Your process for making the too broad subject smaller and easier to condense is to widen your scope? It will become clear to you, I think, in a moment. Will it? I think so. So I wanted to introduce people to the common forms of clocks. So this is clocks session zero? Yeah, a brief primer on what kinds of clocks you can run into. Because I think when you're getting into clocks, that is probably one of the most baffling things is people use a lot of very difficult terms. And like, I think a lot of people only know like grandfather clock and perhaps cuckoo. So I thought we could have a fun time going briefly going over the identifying features of different kinds of clocks that you'll run into in the wild. Sounds good. Now, uh, at the top of my list is the grandfather clock, which is also called the tall case clock or just a tall clock. Because its divining feature, one could argue, is its height? Almost certainly. <laughs> grandfather clocks can vary in size, but on average are around eight feet tall, give or take. And one thing I didn't know was the name of the clock, the popular name Grandfather Clock, actually comes from an American song from 1875. Is it, my grandfather's clock was too large for this shelf, so it stood 90 years on the floor? (laughs) The very same, Ken! Wonderful! (laughs) It was taller by half than the old man himself, yet it weighed not a penny weight more. This is lyric for lyric. How many times have you heard the song? It was bought on the morn of the day that he was born and was always his treasure and pride. Do you know the whole song? But it stopped short never to go again when the old man died. (laughs) Yay! Yeah, that is the song. So yes, I do know all the lyrics to my grandfather's (laughs) clock. I didn't know about the song. Mercifully, as is so often the way on this show, Ken knew everything about the song. <laughs> wow. Wow. I have what they call an unusual repertoire. Wow. <laughs> You're welcome. Sources for this episode include <laughs> Ken's upbringing. <laughs> That's a source for every episode, to be honest. I mean, you know. Two of the common Ken citations are Ken's upbringing and Ken's obsession with research. (laughs) Yay! One could argue one informs the other. It's true. (laughs) That is the way of things, isn't it? Rather. One interesting thing about grandfather clocks is that they are, at all points of history, considered a luxury item. Well, yeah, it's a fuck-off huge piece of precision machinery. (laughs) It does nothing more than tell you the time like a common watch would. I think because they are omnipresent in the imagination and the mind when it comes to antique clocks, as well as in antique shops proper, Mm -hmm. I would say most of them have at least one, if not several. I think people might have the mistaken idea that grandfather clocks are like a common family timekeeping device. Well, it's named after your grandfather, so you can see where the confusion stems from. Oh yeah, 100%. I get it. But I'm here to put that to rest that the grandfather clock was always a luxury item for flexing on how big can I afford a clock. <laughs> Which is a sharp contrast to how they're viewed in the antiques industry now. Well, you mean as tremendous pains in the ass? Which is akin to a piano in terms of its burden. 
Well, because of the way a lot of them, I would say all of them run, no matter what how their mechanism works, which that is also going to be its own episode is different kinds of mechanisms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a piano, moving it from one place to the other automatically requires that you get someone to fix it. Also, unlike a piano, if you tip it the wrong way and it's one of the ones with mercury inside for weight, you could kill someone. <laughs> everyone, everyone dies. Oops. Well, not everyone, God willing, but yeah, yeah, very. it can be very dangerous. It can destroy the clock at the very least. So yeah, they don't have what you would call like a glowing reputation in the biz. (laughs) I would call them a showpiece. They are a showpiece. (laughs) It takes a hell of a commitment to get one sold. Much less moved out of the shop, dear God. You better pray that the customer has their own moving service. And their price tends to naturally be very high because uh, since these were luxury items, what is a flex item without elaborate decoration? They tend to have really high quality wood, metal inlay, wood inlay, ornate carving, painted scenes. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Another thing is that grandfather clocks can be different names based on variations in their size up to a point. Are they all named after different male members of your family? No, actually. The next size down is a grandmother clock at about six feet tall. Oh, okay. Still family members though. Yeah. I've also heard the term granddaughter clock, which I reject because the next clock we're going to talk about are dwarf clocks. Oh. Can you guess what these are? There are seven of them and they will shield you in the woodland. And the sneezy one is very gross. Yes. No. Oh, okay. No, they are basically identical to grandfather or tall case clocks in every way, except they are on average around four feet tall. Oh. So closer to my size. Just about D height they are. You know, it immediately strikes as rude when you say it back to me. <laughs> I know I just said it, but like for a second I was like, hey. <laughs> hey, that's factual. Hey, that's correct. <laughs> Yeah, these were largely designed just to be a more affordable version of the grandfather clock. They are frequently as elaborate, although since they are meant to be more affordable, you can also find examples that are less elaborate. Lower quality woods, so on and so forth. I've never actually seen a dwarf clock in person. I would love to because the idea seems very funny. Like I'm living in a dollhouse made for me. (laughs) And someone got the scaling slightly off. Finally, a (laughs) D-house. Yeah. There also is the very popular banjo clock. Now, is this a clock made from a banjo? No. Well, now I'm disappointed. I'm sorry. I can't make that up to you. (laughs) There are leer clocks. Does that make you happy? Leer clock? Yeah, it's just a clock that looks like a leer. What the fuck is- Liar? Oh, okay. Yeah. A liar clock. Yeah. Does that soothe your spirit? It's no scrimshaw banjo. True. No scrimshaw banjo. It's actually a clock that has a small face that connects to a large, usually rectangular base with a slim throat. So it tends to kind of very vaguely resemble an upside down banjo. Hence the name. Hence the name. One of the most interesting things of the banjo clock was that it was developed by a single man in the early 19th century called Simon Willard of Roxbury, M.A. Massachusetts? Yep. The Willard family, with a focus on Simon Willard, were very well-respected clock makers. Actually, the art of American clock making in general is pretty heavily located in Western and Central Mass. Sure is. There are a lot of prominent clock makers out there. And Simon Willard seemed to just have a thing for making clocks different. The banjo clock doesn't really seek to solve any particular problem just to make a clock look different. I think you could argue that as a solution to a problem. The problem of my clock doesn't look the way I want it to, yeah. Yeah, this clock doesn't look different. I've fixed it. Now it looks different. I'll accept that. (laughs) 
And the most notable feature on the banjo clock tends to be that large bottom panel tended to have a decoration. The best examples would have a glomise. Glomise, glomise, ooh la la. <laughs> I mean, it is a French term. It's a French term for a decoration of reverse painted glass. Oh. Which, interesting side note, is making a comeback with anime illustrations lately. Yeah, because it's an old animation technique. Yeah. It's cool. You'd love to see Iglomise come around again. Yeah. Next, we have the lantern clock. This is actually the earliest form of collectible antique clock and possibly the earliest form of home clock. While clocks did exist for a very long time, they tended to be perhaps like the large clock in the center of your town. And before even then, you kept time by the prayers of the nuns. Or the monks, let's be fair. Or the monks. I apologize. So the lantern clock was one of the first kinds of clocks you could just buy and put in your house to know what time it was. It is a kind of wall clock, of course, and actually became very common after 1620, which is, uh, I think, a lot earlier than a lot of people think of clocks being in the home. Not every home, of course, but... <laughs> I think people kind of take clocks in the home for granted. 100% absolutely they do, yes. And you're not just saying that as an extreme clock lover. I am saying that as an extreme clock lover primarily, yes. <laughs> I think every clock is a sort of small miracle. I think the early nature of their build and discovery is absolutely one of the hallmarks of human ingenuity. And I think that in a way, these tiny miracles just sort of live around us constantly. And we don't even appreciate them because we're all looking at our phones, millennials. Sometimes you can really tell that we were the last generation to be taught how to read a face clock in school. Is that why I'm like this? No. <laughs> I think you're just very appreciative of this particular engineering marvel. You know, I don't actually wear a watch, but it's just because I've never found a watch I like enough. You are preserving your wrist for the one that is worthy? Yeah, it's it's almost like an engagement ring. It's like, I don't want to just wear any watch. I want like the watch. Would you consider a pocket watch? Yes, absolutely. Okay, noted. <laughs> so lantern clocks, as the name suggests, are kind of shaped like a lantern. They tend to be made out of brass or other metal, and they are weight-driven clocks. Again, I look forward into getting more in-depth with this in the future, but uh, briefly, a weight-driven clock is a clock that operates without pendulums. This would be before pendulums had been engineered onto clocks, and they are powered by the gravitational pull of heavy weights that slowly fall down and are repositioned instead of winding a clockwork clock. Oh, very clever indeed. <laughs> if that sounds familiar, that's also how cuckoo clocks operate. In fact, it is a necessity for a cuckoo clock to be designated as such. If you've wondered about those extremely huge, uh, heavy things weighing off of those cuckoo clocks. I had not realized the defining feature wasn't the bird. Well, okay, the defining feature is the bird, but it's not a real cuckoo clock, scare quotes around that, if it doesn't have certain aspects and a weight-driven clock part is one of them. So are you saying there are clocks that will masquerade as cuckoo clocks in order to plant themselves in places where they don't belong and benefit from that household? That made it sound an awful lot like I was suggesting that they were mimics of some kind, but yes. I'm trying to make a joke about the clocks themselves being akin to the cuckoo. Oh. <laughs> and its habit of laying eggs in other birds nests but wow i see now that might have been a little obscure bird nerd of me so uh, no it was it was good 
It's just that when when you assigned like desire to the clock, I immediately thought you were doing like a D&D thing. Ooh. And then I was actually just getting really excited. Clock mimics. Yeah, yeah, th- yeah. Now I just now I'm just really excited about clock mimics. So thank you for taking my brain there. Episode canceled. I have to go write a D&D one shot. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Hold on. <laughs> we'll get back to this eventually. <laughs> Like, fuck, that's so cool. You just go to check the time and chomp. Chomp, chomp, motherfucker. Wind this. Oh my god, you have to wind them. Fuck. Oh my god. Yeah, roll for initiative. (laughs) Next up, we have another favorite of mine, the tavern clock. Speaking of Dungeons and Dragons. (laughs) You meet at a tavern. You check the time. It bites you. (laughs) Roll for initiative. (laughs) It's a short one shot, but it's strong. So the tavern clock is a large clock, tends to be plain hung in inns and taverns, as the name suggests. However, they have another secret name. Jeremy. It's Jeremy. Now you know. If you speak the true name, the clock legally belongs to you. No. (laughs) Hold on, though. What if it was? If it was, I think that's something to write into your (laughs) one-shot. They have a very clock-dense one-shot that we're building here. Side note, if it sounds like I'm saying clock very sharply, it is very important to enunciate this word or we get a very, very different episode. <laughs> then we're back in our Sailor's Word Book episode. <laughs> These uh, clocks are also called, I almost did it, <laughs> are also called Act of Parliament clocks. Because that's what it takes to move them? <laughs> wow, that's a very good joke. Uh, no, so... In 1797, Prime Minister William Pitt introduced a tax against household clocks of five shillings. And everyone went around saying, ah, this is the pits. People dumped their household clocks so they wouldn't have to pay it. (laughs) Which is a little premature. The clockmakers guilds were very powerful and very pissed off. And it took nine months for this tax to be repealed, which is extremely quick in government years. And the use of these large tavern clocks became very popular as people no longer wanted their home clocks. Taverns were very quick to erect tavern clocks if they didn't have one already to sort of increase foot traffic. Oh, just gonna stop in to check the time, but might as well stay for a drink. Might as well have a pint. And get bit. (laughs) And get bit, because that clock, you didn't call it Jeremy. It's angry now. Now, these clocks always existed. It makes a lot of sense to have a big, large, centrally stationed, readable clock in your tavern or inn, right? A town hall clock, if you will. Yeah. It's incorrect that these were developed in response to the tax. However, taverns very much capitalized on the tax when it happened. And you get a lot of tavern clocks from that time period that are decorated to sort of get more eyes on it and draw you deeper into the tavern and get a goddamn pint, why don't you? You fucking pinched pennies Percy over there. Are you just mad that the people dumped their clocks? I'm a little mad. That they didn't appreciate the beauty of the clocks in their home and they were not willing to pay a price to retain it. Yeah, I'm a little mad that five shillings was too much for them to appreciate their clocks. (laughs) Our next clock, and I did it. I did it. I all this this worrying and I did it. The next clock (laughs) is the cuckoo clock. Uh Or cuckoo clock if you prefer, but that's not how you pronounce that word and I won't. Or is it? It's not. (laughs) It's cuckoo. You're probably familiar with the cuckoo clock. It is a German-designed, weight-driven clock. The best examples are associated with Black Forest carpentry. And its main feature is, as Ken mentioned earlier, animated clockwork birds, or later on other things such as little Dutch people that kiss, or just a lady that comes out and twirls. It gets pretty fanciful as time goes on, but was originally a cuckoo bird that made a bird noise when the clock struck certain times. And it would appear from within the clock out of a little door, poking its head out and going, cuckoo, and then coming back inside. 
It may sound like I'm over-explaining this, but I'm assuming there is at least one person on this planet who has not seen this somewhere else in media. Yeah, there's always someone for whom this is a new idea, so thank you. We welcome you, stranger. Don't touch the clock if you don't know its name. That's a good rule in general. <laughs> Another uh, popular theme for cuckoo clocks is actually also hunting lodge ones, where the weights or like the pediments on the clock will be decorated by dead animals which I've always found charming in its own way. How terribly goth of them. (laughs) I knew one person who bought a cuckoo clock that was fashioned to look like the head of a ram, and they claimed that it was cursed. They brought it home and immediately injured themselves very badly and then returned the clock. Is that the one that started chiming for no reason when they explained that it was cursed? No, that was a different clock. That was uh, my haunted clock, yeah. Oh, right, 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 sorry. Yeah, there's a haunted clock versus a cursed clock, sorry. The haunted clock never brought any ill fortune, but... (laughs) Know the difference. Know their names. (laughs) Keep your fingers at a biting range. What if I was like a wizard who specialized in clock and like, I'm just giving you guys my secrets. I mean, is that not why we started this podcast? Yeah, 100%. (laughs) Don't give too many secrets up. The next clock is the bracket clock. They can't know we're wizards. (laughs) (laughs) No one must know. No one must know. Burn this podcast after listening (laughs) Burn this clock. Now, the bracket clock occupies an interesting area at clockdom, being a shelf clock that can also be mounted on the wall using a special decorative shelf or bracket underneath. It is a pendulum-driven clock with a long pendulum that hangs well below the base of the clock or the bracket and remained popular even after the advent of spring-driven clocks because it was very easy to move from room to room and many families only had one clock So a clock that could move with you throughout the day was extremely handy. Now, a clock that can move with you throughout the day. I'm not a wizard, as we've established, but that sounds a lot like a watch. Well, yes, but watches for a very long time were also luxuries that people couldn't generally afford. Very true. So a bracket clock, a sturdy, small, compact, and heavy clock that wasn't upset when you moved it, could be a great investment if you only had enough money for one. There's actually also the Marine Clock, which is probably going to get its own goddamn episode, I think, which was specially engineered to move in every direction without messing up and could also measure nautical miles. For our sailing friends. There's also the Mirror Clock. That's just a clock set into a decorative or ornate mirror. I don't know what to tell you. And the Gallery Clock, which is a round standalone hanging wall clock and is exactly the kind of clock you think of the minute someone says clock. Probably a circle on your wall with numbers on it. That's a Gallery Clock. Uh Uh-huh. We've found its true name at last. Now we hold power over it. That's true. I do hold power over all gallery clocks. And Jeremy. (laughs) (laughs) Wherever he went. Come home, Jeremy. Jeremy? Jeremy. Jeremy. Moving on to the mantle or shelf type clocks, we have general mantle clocks. These are clocks with highly decorative cases that vary in size and material widely, can be metal, wood, pottery, porcelain, and are meant to be placed on a shelf. Now, similar to our other clocks, this can take a variety of forms. One of my absolute favorites, the lighthouse clock. Oh? This is a very rare clock. It was also developed by Simon Willard of Roxbury, Massachusetts. It was also called the patent alarm timepiece. It was an early alarm mechanism clock, which at the time in and of itself was pretty exciting. These are clocks with a solid square or round shaped base, a tapered wooden plinth, and a clock face, kind of similar to a standard alarm clock like you'd see in a cartoon, encased in a glass dome with a finial, shaped like a lighthouse. Oh. 
They look absurdly steampunk. I don't know why Simon Willard needed them to look like that. I think he just wanted to make them extremely impressive from what notes I was reading. Because steampunk good, actually, D. We went over this in our steampunk episode. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the notes I found did just say that he thought it would look extremely fucking rockin' cool, and he was right. And he was right. But you want to talk steampunk clocks. What about my good friend, the skeleton clock? I'm listening. Which has a radical name. You can't see me at home, but I just picked up my hand and did that surfing motion with my hand. Well done. (laughs) This is a clock that is specifically designed for the movement to be the centerpiece of the artisanry. They tend to have very narrow plates, a small clock face, and most of the structure is the clock mechanism, the clockwork as it were. So much as a skeleton key is the merest skeleton of a key possible to make it still function as a key, the skeleton clock is just as much of a clock you need to function as a clock? Yes. Down to its bare bones, if you will. Down to its bare bones, but these are always highly decorative. Well then, wait, okay, hang on. <laughs> They're just named that because the clockwork is kind of like the skeleton. It's usually on the inside. And with these, it is most of what you can see of the clock. I am confusion. Well, how can I clarify for you? I don't know why they've called it a skeleton clock if it's more than bare bones, unless it's just that you can see the skeleton. It is bare bones. It's just that those bones are beautifully decorated. Oh, my beautiful bones. And a lot of it is just that you could see the skeleton, which is uh, a novelty with a clock in general. Behold my beautiful bones, says Jeremy. There you go, yeah. So, like, either the parts holding up the face, the plates, were narrow and small, or sometimes they were really heavily cut out in, like, filigree styles so that you could look through them to see the movement, which might also be filigree style. My filigree bones. Also a very steampunk look, uh, very mechanical, just very beautiful. I <laughs> I want to reference a Metal- Magic the Gathering thing here, but I don't know that people are going to get it. I mean, we did an entire episode of Magic the Gathering. It's like the Kaladesh decorations where everything Ooh. is like, yeah, people like augment their arms with like filigree clockwork. So solar punk is the aesthetic of Kaladesh. Very solar punk. Yeah. The setting in Magic the Gathering. Yeah. We also have the anniversary clock. These are clocks with a torsion mechanism, which is a spinning pendulum that rotates clockwise or counterclockwise based on the tension of the spin. Like a Newton's cradle almost. They have chime alarms. They are generally metal with embellished brass. Almost all situated in a glass dome, largely because the torsion mechanism is very easy to fuck up if it's not in a dome. And they get their name because they only needed to be rewound once a year. Uh Uh-huh. Which, in a life of rewinding your clock every two weeks or even every week, or even every couple of days, was a hell of a luxury. This came at the price of not being super accurate. Um, Yeah, there's a reason we wind our clocks frequently. Yeah. (laughs) We also have the carriage clock. This is a spring clock that is small and portable and an alarm-style clock. So called because you could take it in a carriage? Because they were meant to be taken with you during travel in, perhaps, a carriage. Carriage clocks can be highly decorative, but they tend to have handles, and some of them actually pop out of carrying cases. This chapter of the adventure is called Jeremy's Day Out. (laughs) Jeremy's Big Day Out. And is illustrated with a picture of a clock jauntily hopping along in a carriage. (laughs) Does he have its own little carriage blanket? Of course. Our next clock 
<laughs> Coming in at number 15. The Atmos Clock. About the size of a human mother. It's about the size of a human mother, and I think it's very sexy. Uh, I do think it's very sexy. Of course, it's a clock. <laughs> this is a Swiss-designed clock. Oh, but this is this is not just any clock. It is a clock that is powered by changes in atmospheric pressure and temperature, which supply the continual winding power to the movement, which keeps the clock running for long periods of time without attention, although not stable periods of time without attention. Interesting. It actually has powered by a capsule that holds a gas mixture that reacts to temperature and atmospheric pressure changes. Extremely fucking cool. Of course, the Swiss did it. They make all the best clocks. We have something of a reputation. <laughs> There is the figural clock. This refers to any shelf clock featuring a statue or figure of an animal or person or place as part of its case design. There is the steeple clock. This is a gothic style mantle clock. Tends to be larger with a tower frame, two columns on either side, and a point that resembles a church steeple. Hence the name, steeple clock. These also tend to have decorations such as paintings or eglomise on the front below the clock face. Next, we have the tambour clock. I found a very helpful hint on picturing the shape of this as kind of like an elongated ohm sign from the Greek alphabet. Oh, of course. That one. The omega symbol. Uh, we all know what that one looks like. I was trying so hard to not say it, but then like, uh -huh. but then you were like, oh, people don't know what the ohm is. And I was like, ah, oh, fuck, I gotta say it. Well, yeah, because I didn't. I know what the omega is, though. Yeah, yeah, the, that, that symbol is called the ohm. I've been around fandom long enough. Don't Google it. Please. Please. Don't ask us to do an episode about it either. There's no way to connect it to anything we care about. You can't make us do it. You can't make us do it. However, if you donate enough money to the Terrible Book Club Patreon... <laughs> I, can, I can hear Paris fuming already. <laughs> but yeah, as the shape suggests, these are clocks with a round face and an upright drum tapered to an extended low base. There's also the mystery clock. This refers to any clock where the method of operation is hidden or difficult to identify. They are... Enraging. Because they won't give you their secrets? Because they won't give you- it took me ages to figure out how they work. Well, yeah, D, it's a mystery. <laughs> they are very well-contained mysteries. They actually got really popular around mid-century modern because some of them were just these like metal rims with glass and the dials in the middle and you couldn't see any part of what was driving it. It's actually, I think, the most common mystery clock you can run into. Mechanisms in the base, look it up. You're just gonna give the mystery away? It's such a fascinating mystery, it's worth knowing. And finally, the broad category of the novelty clock, which is any themed and unusual clock, which may include animated movement, advertising, etc. Is this where we would find the clocks that are shaped like a kitty and the pendulum is a tail that swings back and forth and the eyes and the clock face move back and forth with the tail? Those actually have a specific name called a blinker clock. Love them. Quality clocks. But yeah, that's, that's exactly the, that's a novelty clock. Animated movement clocks are, by definition, novelty clocks and so on and so forth. I didn't want to break it down past that because at that point it's easy to identify on-site what an advertising clock is, what a unicorn-themed clock is, so on and so forth, you know? Have you seen the Elvis clocks? Where the bottom part is the pendulum is his legs and they're swinging back and forth like he's doing a crazy dance? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> seen, I've seen so many of those. And that is the end of the tour. Please step carefully out of the boats, make sure you take your personal belongings with you, and hit up the gift shop. Guess what we have there? And for God's sake, keep your fingers away from Jeremy. And keep your fingers away from Jeremy, he bites. Sources for today include theoldtimey.com, <laughs> types of antiques clocks, knoxvillewatchworks.com, beginner's guide to antique clock styles, theantiquesalmanac.com, glossary of antique clocks, antiquefurnitureguide.com, antique clocks, a beginner's guide. T 
TXAntiqueMall.com, Antique Mantle Clocks, AntiqueClocksPriceGuide.com, ClocksInfo.com, what are the types of antique clocks? And, because we have to have one, AntiqueVintageClock.com. Congratulations on your .com. If you would like to suggest an episode topic or just say hello, you can email us directly at AntiquesFreaksPodcast at gmail.com. You can post in our Facebook group, AntiquesFreaksFriends, or you can tag us on Tumblr, AntiquesFreaks.tumblr.com. And I think we have an active Instagram again? It's not active, but it's getting there. Instagram.com slash AntiquesFreaks. A warming up Instagram, let's call it that. A death warmed over Instagram. (laughs) That's much more like it, actually, yeah. If you liked hearing me struggle to not mispronounce clock in any way that would make this an obscene podcast, feel free to scroll on down to wherever you're listening to this and leaving us a review. 10 out of 10. Didn't even stumble once because Ken edited it out. Every review you leave makes our hearts fill with delight and gets our voices into a variety of listening ears. And if you need more Antiques Freaks in your week, you should check us out on Twitch at twitch.tv slash antiquesfreaks where we stream the graphic design aspect of merch creation and also, soon, video games. That's right, we're, we're going to be game streamers. I got Cancel Mountain Dew just for this stream, which is true. <laughs> well, great. We can't have a game stream without a Mountain Dew. I have to be having it. We will be playing the game Sphinx and the Cursed Mummy with our friend Olivia. An archaeologist. And an author who you may have heard on other episodes of this podcast, including Hobbied Lobby. Or you can check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash antiquesfreaks, where every week we produce a bonus episode of us reading and reviewing the Victorian Penny Dreadful Varney the Vampire or the Feast of Blood. Special shout out to our patrons for paying our hosting fees and filling our hearts with love. So much love. And thank you in particular for listening. That's right. You. Au revoir. Goodbye.